This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture. I'm Dashran Johan. The gaming world was at one point seen as a safe haven for geeks to come together, share their passion for video games and compete with one another. It was an escape. While that is still the case to a certain extent, over the years it has also proven that it can be incredibly toxic, just like any other industry. And about a month ago, the veil completely came off as dozens of women in the gaming and esports industry started speaking out about sexual harassment they faced in the industry. So today I have with me Tiffany Lim, the Vice President of the Malaysian Esports Players Association, also known as MESPA, and Richard Wee, a sports lawyer and member of the Malaysian Bar. And we're going to be discussing the gaming and esports industry's Me Too movement and what sort of systemic changes that needs to be implemented going forward. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, thanks for having us, uh, Dash. All right. So, Tiffany, as someone who's in the thick of the industry, what went through your mind when these allegations started coming out one by one over the course of the past two weeks to a month? Honestly, can't say I'm surprised because in my seven years in esports so far, I've heard many stories before from my seniors in the industry, as well as a fair number of warnings against some known predators in the scene telling me to stay away from this guy, that guy, and so on. So two weeks ago, I remember thinking to myself, wow, it's about time these stories finally surface. Mm. So prior to this wave of allegations surfacing, right, it's mostly been hearsay or anonymous anecdotal accounts circulating around. And I always listen to those with a pinch of salt because there are always two sides to each story. Though I'll always be on alert when I'm around any of these so-called predators. But now that there are actual names behind these stories, people coming out to testify and share their own experiences, it really adds so much credibility and each of these accounts becomes so much more powerful. But slowly as I observe how the community reacted to these stories, right, mm -hmm. more and more victim blaming was happening by the day and some perpetrators worming their way out of serious allegations I started getting a bit disheartened and disappointed. So lately, it's mostly been a feeling of helplessness, I would say. I think even more so than before. Just to paint a clearer picture, is the landscape in Malaysia when it comes to sexual harassment the same? Ever since I started sharing these international stories on my own Facebook account, I've received quite a lot of private messages be it from my friends or followers of my page, confiding in me about their own personal experiences. And most of this happened in Malaysia. So I would say that there are also quite a lot of cases locally. It's just that probably the visibility is not as high. People mm. are not yet as courageous to come out and actually stand by their stories, put a name to these stories because they are still afraid of how the community would react. So, the gaming and esports industry is a unique one. I think, you know, for a lot of people who aren't familiar, what we may picture, you know, is just a bunch of people sitting behind a screen in their rooms, smashing away on their keyboards. But 
Can you paint a picture for us on the kinds of harassment that takes place in the industry and how how does it take place? I'm going to break it down into two portions. Okay. First one would be your everyday gaming environment. Second one would be the small subset of gaming, which is esports. So in gaming, right, female gamers will often face harassment in the form of verbal or text abuse in in-game chats or voice comms. And this is especially common in team-based game titles. For example, Dota 2, Counter-Strike, and so on, where the communication with your teammates and sharing of intel and strategies are a crucial part of the game. So when you're trying to contribute to the team, trying to win the game, you have to turn on voice comms, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when your teammates hear your voice and usually all hell breaks loose. So I've had male teammates, right, complete strangers, asking me very perverted questions and making sexual remarks, maybe in an attempt to be funny, I'm not sure, but they would say things like, uh, hey girl, can you please moan into the mic? Or things that are worse. Maybe they'll tell you that they're listening to your voice right now and picturing you doing something. Or mm. another different kind of situation. It could be another way around, especially when you're not playing well, not really performing in the game. Then that's when the misogynistic or sexist comments start. Mm. They'll start telling you to go back to your kitchen and make a sandwich because that's probably the only thing you're good at. And that is one of the mildest insults that they will throw at you. So when these situations happen, you don't really know how to react. So these situations also happen when we stream our games on social media. When you are a female streamer, right, it's quite easy to garner attention, especially the wrong kind. Mm. So you can also expect to see all this same negativity in the comment section. And that's why for me and many of my female friends, we only game with friends that we know and trust in real life. The second part of this for esports is a subset of gaming which has to have a competitive element to it. And the biggest esports tournaments are usually held in public venues, such as a stadium, over the span of a few days. It's a similar concept to that of any NBA game or any other sports events. So when these events happen, all of your idols in gaming, faces that you see every day on event live streams, people that you look up to and respect, be it players, commentators, hosts, they will all be in the same venue, same space as you are. So you get to interact with them close up. You get to join the after parties if you are invited. And it's usually at these after parties, mm. under the influence of alcohol, that these sexual harassment or assault incidents happen. You know, I can't even begin to imagine what that must be like. Um, yeah. In an interview with the New York Times, Kenzie Gordon, a PhD candidate at the University of Alberta who studies gaming in relation to prevention of sexual and domestic violence, said, because straight men have created the identity of the gamer as this exclusive property, when, you know, when women or LGBTQ members, for example, uh, try to break into the industry, she said that it's a very toxic uh, geek masculinity that pushes back in ways that often lead to sexual abuse and bullying. What are your thoughts on this? I actually have to agree with the pervasiveness of this toxic geek masculinity mindset. We have a term for this sort of behavior in esports, actually. It's called gatekeeping and it's not just directed towards gender specifically so some gamers will lay claims like 
uh, mobile games is not real games. Or you're not a hardcore player if you haven't spent at least this number of hours on this particular game. Or girl gamers are just posers, etc. So it's a toxic kind of mentality where they feel the need to draw a distinction between themselves and the noobs, asserting their superiority in the process by setting all sorts of bars and requirements like game knowledge, time invested, complexity of the game, and so on. And if you happen to fail any of the requirements set, then you deserve to be criticized for being a fake fan or pretending to be part of the community. So I think it's also because they love the game so much and invested so much time in it that they can feel they feel the need to defend it and safeguard their community. So only those who are truly invested in it can be part of the discussion. So with this sort of mindset, right, one barrier that many talents face is that it's very difficult to gain the validation of the community and it always seems like you have to prove and reassure them constantly of your level of knowledge of the game with every step you take. So as a commentator, for example, if you make a mistake while casting a game, you can expect the community to be rather unforgiving. And that's a rule that applies regardless of gender. So one thing worth noting though is that female talents wanting to make it in the esports scene will kind of have it worse, get the brunt of it in the sense that they will have to prove themselves much more than males do just to set themselves apart from the crowd and avoid gender stereotypes. And people will always be skeptical or patronizing when they look at a female talent in esports. And it will take years of consistent hard work and almost impeccable performance for them to really gain recognition, validation or respect in the community that they are in. And how do you think these abusers have gotten away with it for so long? I can say Dash, that it's all intimidation. It's uh, what, what I've seen so far mm. is that when any of the athletes or any, any person, any person in esports or gaming uh, who is at the brunt of the harassment, uh, try to raise it up, then that person has to start thinking what happened to my career, what happens to my goodwill. And for, for example, certain people like a streamer, the brand is important. So there's always concern about uh, what, when I say it out, I attack or I defend myself, how would it be? So the toxic uh, uh, situation defends itself. It is an extremely unfortunate catch-22, a constant rollover, uh, and, and, and parties can't seem to get out of it. So that's why we need to really punch uh, the way out and try to fight our way through for now. I think many of these perpetrators or predators, they are usually in positions of power. They are at the top of their careers or they might be incredibly influential or charismatic, maybe masterful at manipulation. So someone has recently likened one of the perpetrator's manipulative statements on social media to that of Donald Trump's. Basically, not only did he keenly deny all the harassment and rape allegations by several different women, he claims that he's now a changed man because he has a newborn baby, which to me has basically nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. And then he played the victim card to say that he has decided to take a break from the scene because he's extremely disappointed at how the community simply took some people's words and rushed to cancel him, which didn't even happen actually because his fans were all in disbelief when the allegations surfaced. 
But because he said so, he made it seem like he was wrongfully accused, despite the fact that he didn't actually address any of the screenshots or evidence presented by the survivors. And almost the entire community rushed to his defense afterwards, despite the fact that game publisher actually took action against him and his agency fired him over all this. So because of his influence and popularity with the fans, with this statement alone, he managed to sway and mobilize the majority of the community to instead go and attack the survivors on social media, calling them liars and so on. So in this example alone, this is a recent case, by the way. This particular abuser fought against several harassment and rape allegations and sort of emerged victorious, at least on social media. So when you are in a position of power, you are influential, you have clout, you have charisma, and you know that you have supporters who would blindly follow and believe whatever you say, they can easily get away with this kind of abuse. And even if it does go to court, since they are successful in their careers, they will most likely have the money to fight it through anyway. So unfortunately, it's always the victims or survivors who will have a lot more to worry about. Okay, we do need to take a quick break. But when we come back, Tiffany, Richard and I will zoom in a little bit on eSports specifically and discuss some of the systemic changes we need to see to make the industry a safer place for all. This is Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture. I'm Dashran Johan and joining me is Tiffany Lim, the Vice President of the Malaysian Esports Players Association and Richard Wee, a sports lawyer and member of the Malaysian Bar. And we're discussing the gaming and esports industries, you know, uh, hashtag MeToo movement of their own and what sort of systemic changes that need to be implemented going forward. So... Esports is becoming a bigger. Uh, it's becoming bigger day by day. Many tournaments have massive prize money. You know, we're talking about things like the International League of Legends World Championship, the Overwatch League, on and on and on. And during these tournaments, are there regulations in place when it comes to dealing with matters of sexual harassment, Richard? I stand corrected, and if any organizers of any tournament out there is listening to this and feel they disagree with me, then feel free to contact me to correct what I'm going to say next. Uh, but my observation is that in most major esports tournaments that I have noticed, and I'm not going to mention names, is that there is no specific uh, regulation, certain prescribed method to stop harassment or to deal with harassment, uh, especially during tournaments and whatever. But Having said that, I think it is unfortunately a universal issue because uh, in most other traditional sports tournaments also, you will rarely see a specific clause about uh, sexual harassment during a tournament. There may be regulations uh, involved about anti-harassment for sports generally, uh, but I also haven't really seen that in esports too. Like what Tiffany said earlier before the break, that there have been some publishers and um, uh, companies which uh, rejected or removed certain parties who are involved. But with regards to the tournament organizers, uh, we have not heard much from them. Maybe, to be fair to them, they have not really had to deal with it. But specifically on tournament, I have not really seen any specific uh, regulation to prevent this. Okay, uh, regulations in place, not that I know of. 
For the in-game portion itself, the general tournament rules should be helpful enough because in almost every rulebook, there will be terms about uh, having good sportsmanship and bad-mouthing or insulting your opponents in any way can lead to disqualification. So I think that already covers a big part of potential harassment in games. But for real-life situations, I think because esports doesn't actually involve physical contact, I haven't seen any regulations placing any sort of limitations on physical proximity. So I think the approach also differs across games, depending on whether the publishers themselves choose to intervene, because different publishers have different ways of running their own esports scenes or keeping their pro players in check. So, for example, I know some publishers have issued bans before on pro players because of matters pertaining to their personal lives or relationships or inappropriate interaction with fans. Even so, I believe the motivation here is less of actually taking responsibility as a publisher and doing the right thing, but more of maintaining the brand image of their game IPs. Basically, it's for PR purposes. But there are also some publishers who rarely intervene in the scene directly unless it's something that affects their revenue. So if the majority of their user base couldn't care less about some girls getting harassed or mistreated, they will usually take the same stance and basically just turn a blind eye to the situation. And by not doing anything, I would say they're essentially sending a message to the victims or survivors to just suck it up and accept that that's how things are around here in this community if you want to be part of it. Mm. So that's the sad state of things. Yeah. And I think you brought up a very interesting point about each game having a different set of rules because there's different publishers. Um, do you think a lack of streamlined governing bodies could be a problem here. And I believe currently there are only two major international esports governing bodies, which are the International Esports Federation and the World Esports Association. But even they don't appear to have much say in the way tournaments are run, or maybe even the code and conduct of tournaments. Because like you brought up, most of these things are dictated by the publishers of each individual game. Well, you see, the, the thing is that um, we've been interviewed on BFM before. We have explained that, of course, the biggest problem with esports is that the game doesn't belong to the tournament organizers and it belongs to the publishers. Unlike football, which belongs to anybody in the world. Anybody can play football without asking for permission. So when, when the game is actually controlled by a third party, and in this case, a company, um, that makes things a little bit more difficult, uh, which then leads towards the tournament because... The person and the company which organizes the tournament, they are really there to create a tournament, create a winner, and of course, uh, try to make a profit out of it. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a business endeavor. Nobody does business to suffer loss. I must say that uh, issues like harassment may not be a priority, which is something we have to change. We have to change that. For the record, I'm not at all criticizing uh, the publishers or the uh, organizers of tournament, they, they are doing what they're supposed to do as a business entity. Any business entity is out to do that. Uh, they have shareholders to reply to, they have uh, creditors they have to respond to, so it, it makes sense. But because things are getting more and more toxic, things must be done. Mm. And Tiffany, someone who, as someone who is in the industry, 
do you think having more governing bodies could be one of the solutions and not just more uh, and giving these governing bodies more power to dictate the code and conduct that happens in and around tournaments? Mm, I think it can potentially be a viable solution but like you mentioned they have to have more power because as of now I can say that these external governing bodies have no actual influence or power over the game publishers whatsoever or how tournaments are run unless number one they own stakes and have a say in all the major esports titles or number two they get lawmakers and governments on their side to make their regulations enforceable in esports tournaments held everywhere and actually force the game publishers to cooperate with them. Or number three, they manage to build up a profile or influence that's so strong that they have a way to sway or convince gamers to not play certain games just because they do not comply with their regulations. Because this would also allow an extent of control over the game publishers' decisions. But otherwise, if all these are all these criteria are not fulfilled, I don't think this can be the solution. So then, what does esports need to make it a safer environment? What sort of systemic changes do you think the the industry needs? Uh, industry has to create a safe uh, workplace environment, a safe process of complaint a safe and effective way of uh, lodging complaints and lodging enforcement. So they, 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 just like any company which run a business, it is quite common for companies, you know, to have uh, anti-harassment procedures in a company. So I think the same thing can, can be applied in the uh, esports uh, community. These are things moving forward can be done and it should be done. And then, of course, um, when there, there is such a complaint like this where... Uh, victims come up and raise their stories, uh, horrendous stories, by the way. Uh, really, really sad to hear it happening to girls and uh, ladies. Then the the industry and must have mechanism to protect these ladies, to give them a chance to raise a story and bring this case to the authorities. Maybe more and more involvement of the police or some sort of uh, authoritative power coming in to control this and handle it may then scare other future Hmm. When we look at the biggest names in the gaming industry, you know, particularly esports, you know, whether it's the gamers themselves, the casters, the board members, who makes up the governing bodies, most of them are all men. Do you think that adding more diversity into the mix could help create a more conducive landscape for everyone? Yeah, definitely. But... At this point in time, I would say it's still a very chicken and egg problem because we have such a hostile environment for females. The females are very few in number to start with and many of them can't get past the community's gatekeeping mentality anyway or can't be bothered to do so. So many of them just end up leaving. So I still think that the discussion comes back to the problem itself. Mm -hmm. We need to fix the toxic culture and the entire environment first for it to be more welcoming towards diversity in the first place okay so we are running a little short on time here 
But before I let you guys go, what's next? What are some of the changes you hope to see because of the hashtag MeToo movement that's happening in gaming and esports? I think at the roots of these sexual harassment cases is really a systemic problem within the gaming sphere where displaying a misogynistic or sexist attitude is regarded as the norm or even something cool. And when people witness these harassments firsthand, their go-to reaction is to normalize it, not speak about it, attempt to justify it, or even cover it up if it's someone they know. Or in the case of popular commentators or players, maybe it's someone that they think they know. So there won't be an immediate solution to this because it's already a deeply rooted and entrenched mindset in this male-dominated industry. Nobody will find anything wrong with it. And even without changing this mindset, male gamers can still get on with their lives as per normal. It doesn't concern them directly. Some of them will even blame the Me Too movement for causing their favorite commentators to disappear from the scene with total disregard for the victims' sufferings. So I believe at this point in time, we need more and more influential people and the game publishers themselves to speak up, to highlight the importance of, have, having, a, of having a safe space for everyone alike, lay down some ground rules, encourage the community to do the right thing. Only then can we start to gradually right the wrongs and fix the culture. I really hope to see the day when esports can finally be a welcoming place for female gamers, for more diversity, when we no longer have to live in fear of overpowering predators or bullies that we can't stand up against. And then I think we'll start seeing a much more lively, vibrant and diverse scene with mix of female teams regularly competing on the world stage. Richard? I would totally support and agree with uh, Tiffany there. Uh, and I'll add this, that um, if the esports community do not do anything to make things safe, in this case for ladies or for women, then they are going to lose this whole group of people. And we will lose the uh, future Tiffany's, the future esports player who just happened to be a girl. We are going to diminish the dreams and hopes of the 17, 16-year-old girl who's going to come up now, who's a very good, for example, Dota 2 player. And, and, um, and that is, there's a big loss. If we, can you imagine if this is happening in football? Dash, uh, you, you can imagine FIFA and the World Football Federations all, all over the world will come up and say, no, 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 stop this, stop this. We must stop this, right? Yes. And um, so if that is happening, if that can be happening there, I don't see a reason why the esports uh, in, uh, industry and community cannot come together and stop this. Unfortunately, whether we like it or not, those people who are right on top, they must come up with comments and say, stop this. This is wrong. And then they lead by example. Then every person at every single stage of the uh, esports uh, ladder must carry that culture. And um, uh, people like Tiffany, very influen uh, influential, who continue coming up and say, Stop this. We must not let this uh, persist, etc., etc. So if we continue to spread that message out, then the education will start. The education will carry on. Um, because in my view, uh, Dash, sadly, I think the solution is not law, you know. The solution is actually education to stop mm. it. And I know this sounds crude, but at my webinar, I actually gave this example. I said that you have to tell this uh, uh, people, mostly of, most of them are boys or yep. men, 
well, to me, they are a boy, like, they cannot even respect a woman. But these boys, you tell them, said, how would you feel if your mom is on the internet and I send messages which you send to your mom? So if you say things to Tiffany, like go back to the kitchen, that's all you're good at, and use vulgar words against Tiffany, I cut and paste and send it to your mom. How would you feel? Just, just put that situation. Every day I bombard your mom. I bombard your sister. I bombard your girlfriend. I bombard your wife. How would you feel? I do exactly what you're doing, but to your loved ones. So if you don't like people doing that to your loved ones, then why are you doing it to other people? I agree with what Richard mentioned just now. Um, it's also what I mentioned, that we need more influential people mm-hmm. and the game publishers themselves to actually speak out and lay down the ground rules for their community because they are the ones who are most powerful right now in the position to do so. Basically, they need to highlight the importance of maintaining this safe space for everyone be it male, female, LGBTQ, they really need to encourage the community to do the right thing because otherwise no one else actually wield the same amount of power or influence. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Tiffany and Richard. Thank you. Uh, Thank thank you for for having having us. us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Dash. I really appreciate you doing this. That was Tiffany Lim, the Vice President of the Malaysian Esports Players Association, and Richard Wee, a sports lawyer and member of the Malaysian Bar. And we were discussing sexual harassment in the gaming and esports industry and what sort of systemic changes that need to be implemented going forward to make it a safer landscape for all. So if you missed any part of the conversation, you can check out our podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my and on Spotify. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.